Amen. It's going to be a great blessing. You know, um, our children for the last four or five weeks have been studying the book of Jonah. And the book of Jonah has inspired your pastor uh, in a great many ways. I have been probably more blessed uh, than the children have been uh, through the study of Jonah. Uh, but it's been a huge blessing. And I said, you know, our kids are being blessed. The pastor's being blessed. Why shouldn't the rest of the church be blessed by this wonderful, incredible story of Jonah? And so for the next couple of three weeks or so, I'm going to share with you this incredible story of Jonah. But I want to begin by asking you a question. If you're honest, have the challenges in your life ever made you feel like just running away from it all? I mean, maybe you didn't do it, and maybe you didn't, uh, you know, actually put it to, to, uh, to fruition, but at least you thought about it, right? Uh, has the strain of providing for your family week in and week out been extraordinarily difficult? Has the strain of parenting kids proved to be a challenge in your life? Has the strain of paying your bills month after month sometimes kind of overwhelmed you? I think we've all felt that from time to time. And then you come to church on Sunday and the pastor asks for more of your time. The pastor asks for more of your prayers. The pastor asks for more of your resources. And you think to yourself, listen, bud, I'm tapped out. Listen, I'm already close to the point of breaking here. I'm already thinking about running away, and you want me to give more? Well, I confess that there have been times I've felt that way. If you didn't know it, pastors are people who try to please people. And I'm one of those. Uh, pastors often feel responsible for all those that they minister to. Uh, I'm one of those people, and there have been times I confess that I have thought to myself, Maybe it might be better that if somebody more qualified steps in here at Bethel and, and, and does that kind of work. You know, maybe I should just run away and go get what some people say is a real job. Amen? <laughs> but at times, I think that we've probably all fantasized about running away. We fantasized about escaping reality, right? Well, the man that I'm going to be talking with you about, this man that we've been talking to the children about for the last four weeks was no different. And his name was Jonah. On page 816 in the Bibles in front of you, uh, I want to share with you actually the first two chapters, the short little bitty chapters, but I want to share with you from the New Living Translation of the Bible. It's a uh, more, it's written more in our kind of vernacular, in our kind of English. And so I really want you to get the gist of what was going down uh, in Jonah's life. So on page 816, Jonah chapter 1 verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now, that could have just as well been said. Jonah, go to the United States of America and announce my judgment because I've seen how some of them are living. 
Anyway, verse 3. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help. They threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the lower parts of the ship. And the captain went down after him and said, How can you sleep at a time like this? Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. And then the crew began to cast lots to draw the short straw, if you will, to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. Well, when they did this, the short straw came to Jonah, and he was the culprit. They said, why has this awful storm come down upon us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered in verse 9, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for they had already told, he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop? This storm. Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get to the ship, the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sins. Don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. And then the sailors picked up Jonah and they threw him into the raging sea. And the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside that fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2 verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me. I call to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty gulfs, gulf waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Verse 5, I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed in over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head, and I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. And as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you, 
those who worship false gods and turn their backs on all of God's mercies. But I will worship you with songs of praise and I will keep my promises. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And then in verse 10, the Lord ordered the fish to spit out Jonah on to the beach. Now, as I read that to you, you were probably rolling your eyes. Because of all of the supernatural events recorded in the Bible, there are none that are more unbelievable than the story of Jonah. To skeptics, this account of Jonah and the great whale is all for the children. It's a children's tale. So if you find this difficult to believe, you're in good company. Don't feel bad because many have found it difficult to believe that a man could be swallowed by a great fish and then live to tell about it. However, I do want to share this one story with you. A true story that occurred in 1891 when the whaling vessel, the Star of the East, sailed near the Falkland Islands and the crew sighted this sperm whale off in the distance about three miles. Well, two small boats were immediately launched, and before long, one of those little boats had harpooned that sperm whale. Infuriated, the whale kicked up its tail and capsized those boats. One of those sailors was almost immediately drowned. But the other sailor, James Bartley, just disappeared. Well, the workers worked for two days. They finally got the ship uh, lashed to the side of the ship, and they were busy for two days cutting off the blubber off of that whale. And then after two days, they, they hoisted the carcass of that whale onto the deck of the ship. And then that next day, they removed the stomach of that whale. And they were kind of shocked because they saw something moving around in that whale's stomach. They were startled, and inside that stomach of that great whale, they found that missing sailor, James Bartley, curled up and semi-conscious. They laid him on the deck, they bathed him with seawater, and within three weeks, he had recovered and was back at work on the ship. Now, I don't know how long James Bartley could have lived inside that fish, but I tell you that story so that from a logical point of view, you might say, that happened. That was true. But what's real ironic about this whole book of Jonah is that only three verses talk about Jonah and the fish. The other 45 verses of scripture in Jonah tell the real story about Jonah. You see, the story of Jonah is about someone who's very much like ourselves. The story of Jonah is the story of God's calling on a man's life. It's also the story of a man's disobedience to God's calling. 
It's a story about the power of God. It's a story about the problems that come when we're disobedient to God. It's a story about how people can pray to God and be heard by God. But most of all, it's a story about the mercy of God. For you see, this story of Jonah really is a story about second chances. Not only in the life of Jonah, but in my life and yours. Now, that may be good reason to believe, but I want to tell you the number one reason that you ought to believe the story of Jonah. And the number one reason is, is because Jesus did. Somebody say amen. Jesus believed in the story of Jonah. When unbelieving religious leaders asked Jesus for a sign to prove that he was who he said he was, to prove that what he said was true, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of that great fish, so too will the Son of Man be three days in the heart of the earth. Jesus used the story of Jonah to illustrate and to testify of his own resurrection, his own raising from the grave. So listen carefully, y'all. If you reject the story of Jonah, then you also have to question the integrity of Jesus. If you question the story of Jonah, you must also question the honesty of the Son of God. But what's equally important today is not just believing it because Jesus did, not just believing it because it uh, tickles your logic. Perhaps the most important thing today is that God has something He wants to talk to you about. Equally important today is how can God speak to me like he spoke to Jonah? Well, one of the ways that he spoke to Jonah, and one of the ways that he speaks to you, is my first point, and that is, God invites us to join him in his work. In the first verse, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, I don't know how the word of the Lord came to Jonah. I don't know how God chose to speak to Jonah. Maybe it was in an audible voice like he did with Adam and Abraham. Maybe God chose to speak to Jonah in a vision like he did the prophet Ezekiel. Maybe God spoke to Jonah in a dream like he did to Joseph. Maybe God spoke to Jonah um, by impressing it upon his heart like he does with me and you today. I don't know how God spoke to Jonah. All I know is that he spoke to Jonah. Amen? That's the important part. The point is this. God still speaks to us. 
God still speaks to us today just the same way as he did with Jonah. And he's got something he wants to say to you today. And so I pray you're listening. Because God's call on our lives is just as personal as God's call was to Jonah. So you need to take this call on your life seriously. Young and old. Young Christian or older Christian. This is a message for you. So, God still speaks to us by inviting us to join Him where He's working. But here's the second point. Obviously, He invites us to join Him, but sometimes we don't like what He says. You ever been there? God's told you to do something, but you say, God, I don't like it. I don't want to do that. Well, in verse 2, we read, God said, get up. And go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now, the Living Bible paraphrases verse 2, the end of verse 2, very delicately. It says, the wickedness of Nineveh is such that it has smelled to high heaven. That's pretty stinky, amen? I don't know what wickedness smells like. But I envisioned that the stench of their wickedness had come into the nostrils of God and he found it offensive. And he had to do something about it. And so what did he do? God called Jonah to take this message of judgment to all the people of Nineveh. It was time for them to be done. Nineveh was an up-and-coming world power at that time, located in Assyria, which is now Iraq, of all things, right? Uh, But Nineveh was a growing city of about 600,000 people. This is not a small town here. This is a big city. So why would God send Jonah to go and preach a message to his enemies in Nineveh? Why wouldn't he just have at it? Why wouldn't he just destroy them outright? Why? Because God is a God of second chances. God is a God of mercy. And even to the wicked, even to the evil, God extends mercy. So Nineveh was not a nice place. In fact, Nineveh had a reputation for being downright nasty and evil. The cruelty of the Assyrian people was known throughout the world. The Assyrian policy was to kill all prisoners of war on the spot. Right then and there. They would hold them down. They would cut out their tongues. They would skin them alive. And the Assyrians would build pyramids of human skulls outside of every conquered city. These were brutal people. These were nasty, wicked people. But the point is not that. It's this. Sometimes God tells us to do things that we don't want to do. And as a result, What do we want to do? We want to escape reality. We want to run in the opposite direction from where God has told us to serve him. Well, how does that apply to me, Bill? Well, maybe there's this guy at work that you've known for a long time. You've heard about the problems that he's had in his marriage, and God lays it upon your heart 
to go and talk to this man about the struggles that he's having. And you're thinking, Lord, I absolutely, positively don't want to do that. First of all, who am I to talk to somebody or tell somebody how to live their life? That's their business. It ain't none of my business. Secondly, I know he'll just get defensive and he'll just blow me off. It's a waste of my time. Why can't I just pray for him? Teenagers. Maybe there's a a girl at school and she's a little rough around the edges, if you know what I'm talking about. This girl, all she talks about is boys, 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 boys. That's all she talks about. And God has placed it on your heart to go and speak to this young lady about Jesus. But you're thinking, Lord... What do I have in common with a girl like that? She's not interested in church. All she's going to do is just drag me down. Her life is a hot mess. And I don't want any of that junk in my life. Or maybe you know a guy. You know a guy and he ain't got no friends. And God has called you to go, to get up, and go and be his friend. But you're not on board with that. (laughs) You don't want to do what God wants you to do. You're thinking, Lord, there's a reason that guy ain't got no friends. He's a foul-mouthed redneck. All he does is listen to country music and chase loose women and tell dirty jokes and get drunk all the time, not necessarily in that order. You're thinking, Lord, I can't relate to that guy. Furthermore, I don't want to relate to that guy. Please, God, please send somebody else. what you don't realize is is that most Christians come into contact with the lost world, with lost people in one of three areas. You're going to run into lost people in your neighborhood. You're going to run into lost people at work or at school. Or you're going to run into lost people doing your leisure activities, whatever those might be. And God telling Jonah to go to Nineveh should remind us of God's call on our life to share the love of Jesus across the way and around the world. That's one of the things that God is saying to each one of us today. You see, we are a lot like Jonah. Amen? We often defy God outright when he guides us in directions that we don't want to go. We just say no. 
I ain't going. But I want you to know that God still speaks to us. God still speaks to us and he is inviting you today to join him in his work in building heaven. But sometimes we don't like what God says. But a third thing that we can learn from Jonah's story is this, and that is turning from God is always, say always. Turning from God is always the wrong way. Always. In verse 3, we read that Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of God. The way the New Living Translation says, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Now, verse 3 begins with two of the saddest words in the whole narrative. God said do it, but Jonah said I ain't doing it. But Jonah. Instead of being thankful, instead of setting out to serve the Lord with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength, Jonah ran away thinking he could run from the presence of God. And I want you to know this applies to you and I because the person who attempts to flee from the presence of God, the person who attempts to not do what God says do, is outright refusing to serve God. If you don't do what God told you to do, friend, you are not serving the Lord. And we know that God has called us to do that. Jonah made a conscious decision. He made a conscious decision that he was not going to heed the call of God on his life. Jonah set sail for Tarshish, 2,500 miles in the opposite direction from where God told him to go. Now, how many of you know that because God has given us free will, you can say no to God. If you want to, I don't recommend it, but if you want to, you can say no to God. However, never underestimate the devastating consequences of saying no to God. You can fight it. You can postpone it. You can ignore it. You can run from it. Or you can surrender to it. But the only peace you're going to get is when you surrender to the will Turning away from God is always the wrong direction. But number four, we're reminded that if we do say no, if we do run from God, Satan will provide a way. And you won't like it. He'll provide a way and you won't like it. In verse three, 
Jonah went down to Joppa and he looked, listen to me, he found a ship. He just found one. Just found a ship going to Tarshish. The Bible says that Jonah went to Joppa, found a ship, bought a ticket. But it wasn't only a conscious decision. That was a calculated decision. You see, every single time that we fall away from the Lord, it comes as a result of us making a calculated decision. You don't just trip up and fall away from God. No, you have made a calculated decision. You have planned to do wrong, even if it's for a brief time. You plan to do wrong, and then you follow through with your plans. And now all of a sudden you find yourself distant from God. Jonah knew where God called him to go. But Jonah chose his own way. And the Bible says that Jonah found a ship. But the truth is, Jonah sought out... And he found the ship he was seeking. He found what he was looking for. He was following through with the plans he had made. See, sometimes you and I, if we're honest, we try to justify our actions by saying, well, I found an open door. The door just opened. Yeah, you found an open door just like Jonah found a ship. Right? You were looking for an open door. And it's always dangerous to try to justify our actions just because you think that things have begun to fall into place. Some people think that a course of action is right just because they found a ship. But the truth of the matter is, you've been seeking that ship, running away from God, and being disobedient to his will. A pastor named O.S. Hawkins wrote this. He said, the truth is, anytime that you want to run away from God, one thing is certain. You're going to find a ship. You're going to find a ship. And listen to me. And the devil will make sure that it leaves on time. That's scary, isn't it? That means that Satan will do all that he can to provide you help when you're running away from the will of God. Satan will do anything in his power to help you be disobedient to God. So when you're running from God, Satan's happy to help you with the way, and you ain't going to like it. But finally today, running away from God is always a downhill spiral. It's always a downward direction. The Bible says, so he paid the fare. He went down into the ship to go to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Can I just tell you that any path that leads you away from the Lord is down. Any path that leads you to be disobedient to God is downhill. 
Once you step on that pathway of disobedience, the road immediately begins to spiral downward. Just look at Jonah's downward spiral. Jonah went down, down, down. In verse 3, he went down to Joppa. He was following through with his plans. At the end of verse 3, he went down into the ship. And then at the end of verse 5, he went down into the lowest parts of the ship to do what? There have been times when someone might leave their service to the Lord and they go and they pursue a life of sin. And they seek to justify it by saying, look how happy I am. Man, things are going great for me. But those who go AWOL, those who go absent without leave on the Lord... They soon find out, yeah, that ship was ready. They find out, yeah, that that ship sailed on time. But if they're sailing for Tarshish when God told them to go to Nineveh, they are sailing right into the storm of their life. A pastor named Dr. Donald Barthouse says this, When you run from God, you will never get where you're going. Furthermore, you'll have to pay the fare. Conversely, when you go the Lord's way, you'll always get where you're going. And He pays the fare. So listen, friends. God is still speaking to us today. Every day that you're breathing, He invites you to join Him in the work that He's doing on this planet. He wants you to connect with the work that He's doing right here, right now. God still speaks to us, even though sometimes we don't like what He's saying. God still speaks to us, but we must remember if we're going to turn away, then we're always going to go in the wrong direction, and we ain't going to like it. God still speaks to us, but when we run from God, the enemy of God is always happy to find a way for us. God still speaks to us. And if you run away, The path you'll take is a downward spiral. So I want to ask you today, are you ready to stop running away from God? Maybe you've been considering coming to faith in the Lord Jesus to be assured of your heavenly home with God Almighty for weeks, months, maybe years. You've just been running away from God. Are you ready to stop running today? Maybe you came to Jesus a long time ago. 
you haven't received the invitation to join God where he's working. I mean, you're right now in the midst of some people, in the midst of a church family that invites you to connect with the word of God right here in our community. We minister by discipling seniors and married couples and children. We join God's work uh, in, in ministering to our community at large. God wants you to connect. And if you're not connecting, then maybe you're running away from God. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we thank you so much just for the simple privilege of being invited to do heavenly work in this earthly place. Lord, we thank you that, Father, we don't have to run away from you. Father, we just have to follow your perfect plan. And Lord, you'll get us where we're going. And you'll even pay for us to get there. Lord, if there's one today that's been running from you all their life, and today's the day that they should come to Christ, receive forgiveness of their sins, and be assured of their heavenly home for all eternity. Lord, don't let them run no more. Lord, for that long-time believer that has been faithful to pray and faithful to commune with you and connect with you but has been running away from connecting with the body of Christ at large Father I pray that Lord you would encourage them today to let them know they don't have to run no more that you invite them you see the special gifts that they have and you want to use those gifts for your glory and for their good pleasure Father, whatever it is that you've placed on someone's heart today, Father, I pray, Lord, you'd invite them to just take a step of faith out and forward and, Lord, just allow us the privilege to pray with them, to minister to them, and, Father, to just search for, Lord, their place within the body of Christ. Father, I thank you for my family, and I thank you for those that are so others-focused that sometimes it's, to their own detriment. But they don't take care of themselves like they should. Father, minister to them. Minister to us all, Lord. And use us for your glory today. For the rest of our lives. Until you call us home. In Jesus' name we pray these things. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing. Mm -hmm.